Hi, my name is Isaac, and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. with episode number eight of a Thai football podcast and once again I'm joined by Rob Bernard lovely to be with you Dale and you mate and what a week it's been it's been absolutely crazy hasn't it so much going on and it, it in some respects it feels like the the start of the season's been lost in all the madness of everything surrounding it yeah, fantastic stuff fantastic stuff on and off the pitch really they're yeah. writing their own stories for us Oh, absolutely. We're not short of content, that's for sure. We could probably do this every night, two and a half hours every night, and still not have enough time. So, the season did get underway. Lots of interesting results, shall we say. Uh, lots of talking points. I know the crowds have been fantastic, and that's been something that people have focused on on Twitter. I know it's something you're very keen on, Rob. Yeah, well, just to answer that, the last the game last night as well, up at Lampoon, then moving back into their own city. They sold out. Yeah, 3,800. Yeah, at, at Lampoon, that's some going. No, it's it's very encouraging. Anyway, we're going to start this week. We've, we've, we've had a few roving reporters going around. Obviously, you've inspired a few people, Rob, with your exploits. So we've had people at matches. So we're going to listen now to three T1 match reports, starting with an Australian guy, Clinton, who went to watch one of the first games, one of the opening games on the Friday night. He was at Police Terror against... I've forgotten who they played. <laughs> who did they play? BG. B- yeah, of course they did. Police Terror against BG, Patham United. And he sent us this report. Ties to the podcast. Match reports. Uh, 2-2 was a fair result on the night. Fiji looked uh, the stronger of, of the team. They looked like they've got some big, strong foreign players in, in key positions. They controlled most of, I'd say, the, the 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 good chances. And as I said, I think 2-2 is probably, you know, first game of the season. Both teams would take that, dust a bit of the cobwebs off. Fiji, the more aggrieved, not to take the three points, but based on the performance, uh, but uh, I think... You'd take a 2-2 in the first game of the season. I don't think Buriram will be knocked off their perch, but top three for sure. I think, well, Chanatip, of course, a key player coming in. He was uh, a, a bit a bit quiet. Uh, I think uh, BG have an interesting-looking foreign signing, number 14. Is it Alvarez? Um, he's He reminds me, um, he's got the frame of an old Melbourne victory player. Excuse the A-League reference, uh, 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 Carlos Hernandez, a fellow Costa Rican, um, a, a bit a bit stocky, but he looks like he's he's got a good pass or a good uh, shot on him, potentially. So number fourteen for BG, potentially somebody to keep an eye out for as the season goes on. I think look, BG looked the stronger team. Chana Tip will grow into the season. I say there's evidence they can certainly challenge for the top three four places. Uh, of course, consistency is the key. But, yeah, I don't think uh, Buriram will be reeled in this season. 
it was a, a jovial atmosphere between the, the two teams. They do have a nice sort of area with uh, seating and live music and, and beers and merchandise stalls uh, outside the sort of uh, main supporter stand, which is very busy and both teams uh, happily, you know, were able to mingle uh, peacefully and dance together and eat and uh, drink together. Uh, the stadium uh, needs a bit of work, uh, like a lot of stadiums across the country. Uh, I noticed the, uh, you know, for example, the athletics track around the stadium no longer serves as, as an athletics track, so to speak, uh, or at least a professional level one. There's no lines on it. So I was actually thinking during the game if there was proper investment to, you know, move the the, the potentially one day uh, if there was enough investment and will to do so to move the stands closer to the pitch uh, because with four, five, six thousand there, uh, it was it, it was a really nice atmosphere. And as I said, it did rain the first uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. And, you know, it's just not a sort of comfortable uh, fan experience to sit there when it's uh, raining. So overall, I had a good a good night and uh, yeah, it was a, it was quite an entertaining game. So I was I was well pleased. Next up, we've got Kevin, and he's going to tell us all about the Mungtong Chiang Rai United game, which took place on Sunday. Now, Kevin is a Mungtong fan, so I get the impression he's not going to be that pleased. Um, how are you feeling, Kevin, in the wake of that score? I mean, to be honest, not so good, but Chiang Rai are basically known to beat Mung Thong. Like last season, they, they did a triple on Mung Thong United. I think I remember in your um, preview, you did mention that, um, I think you called them kryptonite, didn't you? When you were, <laughs> when you were yeah, talking that's about right. right. Yeah, so I think you've got it spot yeah. on. So you weren't that surprised then? I mean, not really, but uh, I actually had high hopes. But I think it's like the same story like last season, you know, Mung Thong are like, Really, really good in possession of the ball, but when it comes to finishing, Mung Tong are like not clinical at all. I mean, what kind of player do you think you need then? Obviously, a, someone who can put the ball in the net. Is is there no one currently in the squad, or is it? Do you think you're going to have to bring someone in to do that? I think right now I can only see William Pop just basing it from his performance from last season, because like looking by just like one game, I cannot really judge how the team is going to play. But uh, I think there's not enough chances being created as well. So, yeah, the midfield with the defense, you know, it's it's not gelled very well right now. I hope it gets better with time, but uh, I think uh, Meng Tong should start creating more chances to actually see if we got good finishers or not. But I don't really see Meng Tong creating enough chances. I mean, the possession of Meng Tong United... Has been, like I'm looking at the stats right now. They had 75% of possession and they had 91% accurate passes. But I mean, I watched the game. Most of those passes were like backward passes. They barely had any forward passes. You can see the way Mario wants to play. He wants to play an attacking brand of football, an entertaining brand of football. We can see that right now as well. Like Mung Tong are really, really good in possession, but they're just lacking that one bit, you know, like they don't create enough chances and... uh Sometimes I feel like their finishing is also really, really poor. Yeah. I mean, this is where statistics can don't tell the whole story, isn't it? Like you exactly. say, so possession. Yeah. But if it, if it's all in your own half, if it's going backwards and sideways rather than, you know, That's penetrative, right. 
yeah, forward. I was going to say, looking at the statistics right now as well, like Chiang Rai had only one shot the entire game, and that was the goal. Muang Tong had 14 shots. They had 14 shots. Oh, my God. Yeah, that. well, that's clearly the problem then, isn't it? Um, so just getting away from that, were there any positives you could take from today's game? Uh, the positives, I would say, belong. The centre-back. He was he he was like I honestly I expected him to be good because of his you know physical strength and if you just look at him he's he's like a beast behind there so uh in front of like small Thai players he's obviously gonna be good so I'm pretty excited to see what he does and I would also wanna give some credit to Tristan Doe he was like a, a pivotal part in Mung Tong's attacking football especially from the right side the way he inverted. Uh, with William Pop and you know the way he gelled with you know the midfield as well. So yeah, I would say for after watching the first game, uh, I would say Belong and Tristan Doe. Yeah, good. So it's it's not all doom and gloom then, and it it, it is early days. I mean, you know, the first first game of the season, I think it's always unpredictable, isn't it? I don't think. Yeah, that's right. Although you did you did predict you were going to lose, so uh, <laughs> so maybe that's that's another reason not to be too disappointed. Um, and yeah. what about the what about the crowd? What was the crowd like today? It was a healthy crowd, but the stadium is too big, you know, and it's not like Buriram was playing Muang Tong today, so I did not expect to see the stadium full, but I at least expected like, you know, you know, it to be a bit more full than what it was. If you look at the stands behind the goal, it was pretty much empty. So yeah, I mean it's all right. Anything you want to say to sum up? I would like to add one thing. Mung Tong needs to change the goalkeeper. I'm going to be honest. If if we're going to stick with him this season, uh, I don't think so. We're going to be able to play from from the back like we have been playing last season with uh, Patiwat Kamai. Uh, yeah, Mung Tong would probably need to sign a new goalkeeper maybe during the winter break. But let's see how this thing forms up to be because it's still early days. Right. Okay. Well, thanks so much for that, Kevin. Really appreciate it. And anytime you fancy coming on, giving us an update or just reporting from any matches you attend, you're very welcome to come back. So thank Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Dale. You're welcome. And to conclude our match report, here's my mate Tim, who was down at Trapped against Chambéry on Sunday night. Okay, end of match, 2-2. Game of two halves, could have gone anywhere. Um, could have gone in either direction. And uh, after a woeful first half to win the second half 2-0, um, definitely, definitely progress. End of the game, either team could have win. Fair results, probably yes. I would say for both teams, quite happy. We attacked a lot better in that second half. Um, still a lot of weaknesses I can see from Chambray, but first start of the season we got a point away from home can't complain um, I know I did a lot of moaning early in that first half but to be honest if you watched it it really was that woeful obviously three people there inspired by you Would you, do you want to give them marks out of ten give, give them all ten for coming on I don't like I don't like Tim's quick uh, in and out. I thought I was listening to Talk Sport. Great report with the crowd in the background. It was. It was very good. Very authentic, Tim. And I, I think it was. I think we'll call that Tim's five five pint report because he, he clearly had a couple as well. <laughs> oh, nothing wrong with that. Nothing Absolutely wrong with that. Not. 
Yeah, just a quick one on Clinton. He mentions the Terror Stadium. I think it's something we do need to remember that football is only part of things here in Thailand. It says about the track. That will be used 24-7 by people who work for the police and live there as a jogging and, and sports facility. It's not just about the football. It's sometimes something we easily forget. Well, I would say the standout result of the weekend, Bangkok United winning 4-1 at Utah. But Itani, not yeah. many teams will win there for one this season. No, I think I think they've caught a lot of people by surprise. As I think you said last week, didn't you? That you know people have kind of written them off, but clearly the the I win had, against I had, I'll be honest. I mean, the win against Bury Ram followed up by this. I mean, definitely worth watching. I think. Yeah. Anyway, our next report. Now, this this was quite an infamous infamous game, the second tier of Thai football. Samut Prakan City went to Pattaya United, who actually got promoted at the, the 11th hour when one of the teams, Nakhon C City, uh, failed to get a licence in time. So Pattaya United's promotion was quite rapid and unexpected. And they hosted Samut Prakan City. Now, there's a bit of history there. And without going into too much detail, this was always going to be quite a feisty occasion. And so it proved. And luckily, we had someone there, Phil, Phil Williams, and this is his report from quite an interesting evening down at Nongbru. Ties to podcast. Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Dial. Great to have you on. Now, Phil, you were at one of the uh, most, shall we say, eventful games over the weekend? Definitely. Certainly a first for me. I had a feeling that there might be trouble at the game and if it was going to happen it was going to be after the game the results as well probably contributed i think if yes yes i i, I think if patty united had won that game or the game had maybe even ended in the draw we wouldn't even be having this conversation yeah i mean i am aware that there were demonstrations before the game i think there was a march wasn't there organized by some of the home fans did you witness any of that did you see anything I could only hear it from 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 where we were. We got we got to the stadium very early. My wife and I we um, we decided not to wear our club colours. We had a I had scarves in the backpack, but we only put them on when we got inside the ground. Uh, we took a grab car to the stadium because I didn't want the situation. I didn't know the stadium, so yeah. I didn't want the situation of parking in some side street and then at the end of the game having to walk through hordes of home supporters. Because, as I said, I had a feeling there might be some trouble. So we got to the ground nice and early. Security directed us to the away end. We bought the tickets from some very cheerful ticket sellers. We chatted with a few of our players in front of the main stand. Um, Then we went into the stadium. Uh, My wife, Tun, had a long chat with a couple of the security guards, nice lads, Everything was very, very normal. And then our coach-loaded supporters arrived about 6.30, which was about 30 minutes before kickoff, and the game got underway. The Apache the, the United fans didn't even boo our team when we came out or when they came over to applaud the travelling fans as they do before the game starts. It wasn't a hostile situation. And how, how did it all start? It started about five, I would say about five minutes from the end. Samaprakana 2-1 up. Patia looked as though they haven't got a prayer of getting back into the game. They just didn't look good enough. And it was very, very comfortable for Samaprakana to see out that the final stages of the game. 
So about five minutes from the end, a uh, sort of biggish Thai guy came over to get as close to the dividing fence as he could that separated the two fans. He was probably about six feet away, and he was giving us the uh, he was giving the away fans the double middle finger, and he was shouting some uh, choice Thai expletives, calling us buffaloes and all that. And we just turned the other cheek. We just yeah. didn't even look. We didn't look at him. We didn't respond. We just carried on watching the game. And then this guy was then joined by an equally vocal Farang. Probably he was probably even louder. And he was standing up and just yelling. And those two guys really together, they sort of lit the blue touch paper. Yeah. And then before long, there were probably about a dozen supporters who were coming over and getting aggressive and shouting. And we got one or two, uh, one or two of our supporters said that there was a group of Hattier supporters behind the main stand where we were trying to throw flares. And you're quite exposed out there, aren't you? There's, there's no room for... You are, you are. Yeah. And, and, and Patty United supporters have a reputation of throwing flares around at previous games. So I never, I never saw, I never saw any flares come into the away, away section and I never saw any of the fans. And Kun Patam Chai, who is the leader of the Samaprakan fan club and has been for many years, very respected man. He's a guy in his late 50s. He got straight on his megaphone and he said, he implored us not to respond or to retaliate. He, he, he urged everyone to get down to the front of the stand where it was safer. And you could see instantly from his body language and his expression that his main concern was the safety of the travelling sport. Yeah, he, wanted us, he wanted us all to get home safely that night. He's, he's a great guy. From what from what you're saying also, it sounds like the... the vast majority of the, the home fans weren't interested either. You know, you said it was just uh, started off with a couple and then it, you know, it was a dozen or so. So, you know, and I, I think on the very, very rare occasion I've seen incidents like this at, at Thai football, you tend to get a lot of people who, who are trying to calm things down. That yes. that seems to be still the vast majority of people are, are trying to defuse the situation and, and you know, stop it, stop it escalating. What irked me the most that when the final whistle went and the players came over, certainly my celebration was very muted because I was worrying about the escalating situation and the walk to the bus and getting on the bus, etc. I asked Kun Patanchai if my wife and I could come on the bus, even though we, we hadn't booked a place on it. And if we get off when we were about a mile or two from the stadium, we could get off somewhere safer and get a grab grab taxi back to the hotel. And that was fine. So there was a picture at the end. There was a photograph at the end of the game taken by the official photographer. And it's taken with the players in the foreground. And everybody's holding up their scarves and celebrating. And, and then there's me at the front with a worried expression on my face. And I'm the only one. And I was sort of, robbed of the celebration that was something that i'm still annoyed about a little bit i couldn't fully enjoy it because you know yourself dale over the past two seasons we haven't had a lawful lot to celebrate <laughs> yeah yeah no that's yeah that, that that is a shame that you you didn't even get to enjoy so, the moment but so then yeah so then we um once the players had disappeared back to the changing rooms we then had the walk to the uh the bus 
the bus driver, our regular Samukrakan bus uh, bus driver who takes the bands all over, um, he had very, very kindly brought the bus round to uh, the side street just behind the school. So that that involves a couple of minutes walk through the dark to get to uh, to get to the bus, and then there was rather a nervy five minutes as we tried to get every supporter who was there on the bus as quickly as possible uh, before a brick came through the window or someone something like that. But actually, I I just glim- glimpsed that there were a few foreign supporters, Patty United supporters, shaking hands with our guys. So. Perhaps yeah. I was over, overthinking things and over worrying. I don't know. But eventually we all got on the bus and away we went. And everyone breathed a sigh of relief. I suspect that this might be a fixture that's played with away fans in the future. For how many how many times the teams are going to meet in the future, I don't know. So this will now be the last game of the season at Samarkand. I can't really see Patty United fans being allowed in, can you? No, I don't, I don't think they will be. That's That seems to be the, the answer. That's oh, what they did at, you know, the infamous Port and Mung Tong situation that's ongoing. It's such a shame, isn't it? Because by and large, going to, to football in Thailand is, is such a pleasant experience. Whilst you can kind of understand where they were coming from, I think that level of hostility wasn't really necessary, was it? by any stretch of the imagination. We are going to end it there. So Thank you very much, Dale, and good luck with the uh, podcast and everything. It's uh, I enjoy listening to it. And thank you for all the good work you, you do. That's great to hear. Thanks very much. All right, take care. Thanks, Phil. Take care, mate. Right, there you go. Lots to take in there, Rob. Any, I mean, it's, it's always, it's always not nice, is it, you know, to... When you things that happen off the field, really, like this, that we have to comment on. Um, I mean, is there anything you want to say, really? Yeah, there, there is. I mean, the fact that we mentioned it shows, thankfully, how rare it is in Thailand. You know, without when you're in that situation, it's terrifying. But it is something that, let's be honest, it does go on, and it will have happened hundreds of times around the Western world this weekend, similar incidents. doesn't make it right, and I can't condone it. But like I say, thankfully it is rare and nobody was injured. Uh, I'd have to say naive planning from the league. A Friday at the start of a Thai holiday, a seven o'clock kickoff, probably social media stoking it up throughout the week. You know, what do you expect? It was naive at best, putting it on that night and not expecting anything to happen. I think you're right. I mean, the, it was a, a, a silly thing. I mean, now, whether they'd already arranged the fixtures and that should have been Nakhon C City hosting Samutra Khan, we'd, we're not fair really cold, sure. Fair cold. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we've got something, a little little treat for everybody now. People who've been around Thai football for a long time, especially foreigners, will be aware of somebody called Matt Riley. Now, Matt was instrumental in the Thai League football website. If We had Kevin Watkin on a couple of weeks ago in our interview special, and Matt was also involved in that. And he ended up working at two T1 clubs. He was at Mungtong United for a while, and then he went to Supanbury, and he was working behind the scenes in uh, the commercial department, he was getting the clubs involved in the local communities and he was doing a lot to encourage foreign fans. Now, Matt's written a book. I think it's his second book and it's called Thai Football Tales. And 
He's going to read a little extract here. And I was quite surprised when I asked him on to read something. I thought he'd read something of his own rather than something that I'd written. <laughs> so, so this wasn't my choice. I didn't force him into this. Um, so let's have a listen. Here's Matt reading a little extract from his book. The Sound of Silence by Dale Farrington. In the 23 years I've been following Thai football, it's been my pleasure to meet many wonderful people. Coaches, fans, players, pundits, journalists and administrators. One of the joys of the local game is its accessibility. It's so easy to reach even those at the very top and everyone, by and large, is happy to give you their time. It is a dream scenario for those of us who write about it and an opportunity for the more ambitious to make their mark. In the past few years, the number of foreigners watching and reporting on the game has increased dramatically and this can only be a positive thing. One of the first to get involved in this burgeoning scene was a bloke called John, not his real name. John wrote for independent websites, established media outlets and newspapers. His articles were always worth reading. They were well penned, well informed, witty and mostly very accurate. Through his dedication and hard work, he managed to carve out a little niche for himself and eventually ended up working in the marketing department of two big TPL clubs. He was now on the inside and he put his knowledge and expertise to good use by raising the profile and awareness of first one club, then the other, taking them places they never thought of going. It was no more than he deserved. A few years ago, I, along with a friend, ran into John before a Chombri away match in the capital. He was still employed at the first of his two clubs and was his usual friendly self, but he appeared slightly more excited than normal. After a brief chat, he informed us that he had been asked to provide the first ever English language commentary for a live, televised TPL fixture. A huge honour and landmark. The game was scheduled for the following day and he told us how he'd been preparing and shared the details of the setup. He would get his very own booth at the stadium, equipped with monitors and a microphone. This was serious stuff and a big breakthrough for the league and us foreigners. We congratulated him and promised to tune in. The next day, word got around on Twitter and with mounting anticipation at 6pm, we all switched on our TVs, pressed the audio button on our remote controls, chose the ing option and waited for John's dulcet tones to guide us through the action. The match had kicked off and the Thai commentators were in full swing, but there was only silence from our man. Tweets were exchanged and suggestions were made as to how we could access the commentary. Tried turning it off and then back on again, switch channels and then switch back, click on the DD plus button. All were tried and all failed. By half time, most of us had given up and contented ourselves with the usual pundits attempting to describe the action in front of them. It had been a huge disappointment and anticlimax. What had gone wrong? Right, I'm just going to throw that over to you, Rob. I can't really comment on that. <laughs> no, lovely reading. Lovely reading. He got the sort of voice he should have been on Jack Canary back in the day. But he left he left it on a cliffhanger as well. So if you, if you want to Not know more, if you want to know more, you can buy Matt's book. We, we're going to have him on in a couple of weeks as well. So he'll be able to give you a few more details. But if you, you follow him on Twitter, Caboodle68, I'll put that in the notes. Uh, he'll give you updates on when his book's coming out everything you need to know, but he is going to be coming on. So stay tuned. Right. Now we've got something a little bit special here. You, you can introduce this, Rob, 
Over, over to you for this bit. Yeah, I just thought it's about time. While we're in a positive mood, my little tribute to club owners. Rob's The manager is useless. The owner's an egotist and he's dodgy. The TV deal and kickoff times are useless. The team didn't put everything in. The catering was no good and we couldn't get a beer. The kit is awful and the club shop has no stock. Sorry Dale, I'm just reading some fan sites from back in the UK after their first few games. You see, it's the same in more advanced football nations too. Only they pay a small fortune to enter a stadium. Football's all about opinions. Many disagreed with mine from last week. No problem. But it got me thinking as I head to my game this weekend, while in a really positive frame of mind about how lucky we are as fans. We get a free punch whenever we fancy it. We can criticise. We don't have to run the club or sort out the problems. It's not easy for owners anywhere, but especially here in Thailand. Must get involved to give something back or to satisfy their egos. Maybe both, but it's unlikely to make them rich. Rarely do clubs make money, they only lose it. I'll never criticise anyone trying their best, even if they do fall short of expectations. Whether on or off the pitch, especially if there's no one else waiting to take over. And why should there be? I know from experience as an unpaid volunteer at two clubs back in the UK just how hard it is, with decent resources, and how few step forward when given the opportunity. Because they know it's going to be hard work, often thankless, and they'll take regular bashings on social media from those not prepared to do it. Of course it's not perfect here in Thailand, but please tell me where it is. Yes, I'd love to see more clubs engage with local communities, build better infrastructures rather than wasting cash on some of the overseas players. But overall, I sometimes think here in Thailand we ought to be grateful that there are as many professional clubs as there are. Probably too many, in fact. And that as many people do decide they want to lose money as a club owner, they're certainly not recouping it from the relative pittance we put in. Fortunately, the big three owners seem to be doing their bit and hopefully they do. the Sunday's announcements sees the upward trend continuing. The attendances have been impressive to say the least, as well as the numbers of those watching the games on the devices and TV on the opening weekend. However, beware as the fun boy and girl three might want something in return for the clubs as things evolve. Or maybe they're just genuine philanthropists. Time will tell. They've timed their initiative perfectly though, as the money previously being pumped in by companies who own the clubs is not at the same levels. Though that might change again when they see an increased positivity. I think that never presumed should be emblazoned across the national flag of Thailand. The current crop of owners are the best we've got right now, so let's cherish them while they're still around and maybe even appreciate their efforts a little bit. You never know, it might just encourage others to give it a shot. That was excellent. That that bloke speaks speaks a lot of sense. I think. Well, I don't know when he's about next. That's the trouble. Causing a few ripples, I think, on on social media, and yeah, all the more power to your elbow, mate. It's it's, it's no, it's it's good. I mean, you made lots of lots of very valid points. I love the start when you were listing all the the complaints because, as you said, they could have come from anywhere, and they're things we hear here all the time and it, it is nice to know that even in 
so-called um what, what would i say um established developed, fo- developed. developed. Yeah. Oh, i was, was going to yeah. say established footballing uh, cultures um you still get these problems and they still still get the same complaints so that's that's quite do. Nice we've, got, we've got to remember it's still it's still developing here you know and and this new generation of fans they might take it on and we we do forget about covid so much a lot of these guys that were going now they haven't seen my football before they might change things well we, we hope so i mean i i often make the point as well you know when when i first so, i mean when i first started going and even when chombry were in the top flight the first two seasons they were in the top flight there's no comparison with what we've got now i mean and that was only 15 16 years ago you know there's there's it's far better far more organized off the field it's a lot better i'm jury's still out whether the football's better on the field um who cares who cares yeah I don't, well yeah. I, if, if i want to analyze a game for technicality i'm not going to go to watch thai football Dale. i go because it's fun yeah and it is. Hi, I'm Sabina. I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. Another cracking show. That's We've got so much packed in this week. It's fantastic now. It's really nice how it's taken off, you know, from just you and me chunnering away to each other, not knowing if anybody was going to be bothered, interested in listening or not. And now, we, you know, we, we've got quite a nice following and, and the show's growing. So, yeah, huge thanks to everyone who, who downloads, who listens, who, who spreads the word. Thank you. And th- thanks for those who get interactive on Twitter as well. It is appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right. doesn't matter. It doesn't mean we're right just because we're spouting on it. It's a game of, of opinions. Absolutely. Anyway, it's a perfect point to leave it, Rob. So thank you, and I'll speak to you next week. Yeah, cheers, Dale. Good luck, everybody out there. Have a lovely week.